If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. Well, Evan Nearman with Red Banyan PR. Welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you on the Bright Vibe Podcast today. Thanks, Matt. Super excited to be here. Yeah. And for the listeners, I'm going to apologize in advance. I've got a little bit of some upper respiratory stuff going on. So if I sound a little nasally, um, send me some love, shoot me some prayers, do something. I'm getting, I'm recovering, but uh, I still a little, little off there. So tell us, so you run a PR firm, a public relations firm, and I have run a lot of small businesses, owned a lot of small businesses. And I don't know, we've used media companies. I don't think we've ever used a public relations firm. So what exactly does for, for small business owners, for leaders, what does a public relations firm actually do? Yeah, it's a great question. And there's a lot of confusion around this because the whole world of marketing, advertising, communications oftentimes get conflated and people don't mm-hmm. know what the differences are and they actually need an ad agency or they need a digital marketing firm, but they're hiring a PR firm and vice versa. And so mm-hmm. I'm glad we have the chance to expound upon that. The way that I view public relations and strategic communications, which is what my company, Red Banyan, does, is our our job is ultimately to help organizations accomplish their goals using communications and all of the opportunities that they have to communicate with figuring out who their audiences are. And PR, public relations, is about how the public perceives you as a person, as a brand, as a company. And so the The field of PR, public relations, is meant to shape the way the public relates to you, hence the public relations. And so give give us just a couple of examples, if you will, of some businesses like the industry, or if you can mention the name, the name, the industry, and then what your firm actually either did for them or does for them so we can really bridge the gap and, and make this make sense. Sure. We work with companies across the globe and all across the United States and in a variety of industries. And the needs for each depends on their industry, their unique product or their service. And so I'll zero in on a couple of very disparate, different types of organizations mm-hmm. to give you a sense of the power of PR. Mm-hmm. So one, one client that we have is a nonprofit organization that is a museum. And the way that they use us is to raise their profile, to put them into the news, to talk about the exhibits that they have coming to town. When they have speakers who they bring in, they want to advertise that in the community. They want to get the word out. and They don't want to just buy space in a online publication or in a newspaper, which is what an advertising firm would do. Instead, we as a public relations firm, we get them out there. We've got the local news invited 
relationships that we have cultivated and continue to cultivate with media. We get reporters in the room to report on the event that's taking place. We get press coverage around the exhibit so that people read about it, either in the local newspaper or online. And then you could have a, a, a company like the one I'm, I'm meeting with today, which is in uh, law enforcement related technology. And the reason they need public relations is there's a lot of misinformation about how their tools and technologies are used. It can be a contentious debate between uh, law enforcement and people who feel like we need to alter the way that police forces interact with our society. So in their case, it's really important to under to, to educate people about what their technology is and what it does and also to dispel misinformation and misperceptions about what they do. So that's, you know, two completely different things that have nothing to do with one another, describing how the power of public relations has an impact on them. And, you know, a number of nonprofit organizations we work with, they want to let the world know about the good work that they're doing. They want to highlight some of their biggest supporters and get them into the press. And so that's really the power of public relations. People tend to trust information, not just that's bought and paid for by someone, right. but right. that is what's known as earned media, meaning that you didn't buy the coverage, but you earned it by having an interesting story to tell or information to convey and getting it out there into the world. Hmm. That's very cool. And, and so, yeah, as you were talking, it was almost like, am I buying ads on the internet or am I doing SEO where I'm getting kind of organic traffic to my website? And this seems, feels a little bit more organic, even though you're actively pursuing it, right? You're out there with using your contacts and helping them. It sounds like craft a message that would be interesting enough. The times that I've had reporters call me that I used to love to see my name in the paper, don't anymore, but it was fun because it was all positive press for the first, you know, for the business journal type stuff. But it would always be, um, because I'd always be colorful. I knew that they were calling me because I would do, I would say something or I would you know, use maybe colorful language, not necessarily swearing, but just something to give them interest in the story versus just blah, 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 or trying to, you know, cover my own ass. You know, it'd be like, right. you know, I, I, I would step it up and be color. I'd be a little bit more of a personality, I guess. Yeah, and, I think and, that's the right approach. And it makes you interesting and it makes them want to call you back. And for entrepreneurs and small business owners, PR can be a really valuable investment for them because they're telling the world and about what their product is and or their service and they're speaking in a compelling way they're telling a story they're right. they're showing an authentic human side of it and so it's a way rather than going out there and buying all this goodwill or trying mm -hmm. to pay for testimonials or pay for for advertising pr is a way to get third-party credibility to your business to really spread exponentially the good news and you made a, a really good point, which is in this day and age, you need to have a web web presence, a presence online. You need to have backlinks. You need to have strong SEO. Well, part of the way that you do that, it's all connected to if you invest in PR. If you're investing mm -hmm. in PR and you're telling your story and you're speaking at industry conferences, you're talking to reporters, you're getting on TV, you're going on podcasts, then once you have those, your job isn't over. It's just started. You need to take that content you need to put it on your website. You need to share it via social media channels in order mm. to drive more interest in what you've done. You need to put it in your email newsletter to go to your prospects or to your current customers. Mm -hmm. You got to 
showcase it on your own website and, and other um, advertise it with your business partners, send it to them, keep them in the loop. So, you know, PR and communications is inextricably linked to mm -hmm. build your online profile. And I actually would make the argument that in today's world, who you are online is almost more important than who you are in real life. <laughs> That's unfortunate, I would think. I get what you're saying when it comes to, especially when you're needing to generate business to keep your business running, right? I mean, that's part of it. It's perception. You know, I've heard that a lot, you know, in almost every perception is reality. I mean, you can try to craft a message, but ultimately it's the customer, it's the public that's relating to you that is going to choose whether they spend money with you or whether they like you or right, whether they follow you, right? Yeah, yeah, the way that you make sure that they do like you and they like what you have to offer and they understand it is you do a good job of promoting yourself and telling your story and doing what, what I describe as press the truth. And the way that you do that is through public relations, through not just keeping your head down, flying below the radar, being very quiet, but actually being willing to stick your neck out a little bit and say, look, mm -hmm proud of what we do. This is who we are. This is our story. This is the idea. This is why I decided to start this business. Here's an example of how I'm helping people with our offering. If we can offer something that's valuable to you, then reach out to us. It's it's not selling, selling, selling. You know, it's kind of like the wolf of Wall Street. It's like they're either going to buy or they're going to die. You're not mm -hmm. going to stop until you shove it down their throats. People don't want to be sold. And your offering, whether it's product or or a service it's not for everybody so right. a much better more modern approach where people can go online and there is always someone somewhere in the world who is selling that thing or that service that you think you want you can always find someone and you always find someone to compete on price but it's companies and individuals who understand how to use the power of communications effectively they're not beating people over the head they're saying here's the problem that I serve, or here's the problem that I solve, I offer up a solution. If this is the problem you have, maybe we're a good solution for you. If it's not a problem for you, okay, then you're not our customer and that's fine. But here's who we are. Here's why we do what we're doing. And that's why I think you see so many thought leaders like Simon Sinek talking mm -hmm. about, you know, it's not what you do, it's why you do it. And that's what resonates with consumers. And so what's an example of, you know, because obviously this is what you do for a living. So I'm sure for you, looking at social media, looking at regular media, stuff as you're driving along, looking at even billboards, you have, you're filtering this all the time thinking, oh, this, this company is doing a great job and this company is doing the exact opposite of a great job. But what would be an example of a brand out there or a company out there? You're like, you know what, they're doing a great job of what you just talked about, which is really representing the why in the messaging. Yeah, I look, I think you could look to some of the big leaders in business now, especially in the United States. You know, since I happen to be on the West Coast, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about big entities like Microsoft, mm -hmm. about Amazon, I'm thinking mm -hmm. about Nike. I think Nike, let's use that one as okay. a as a good example. I think mm -hmm. Nike it has built a its whole brand has been around from day one. They're a little edgy. They're a little rebellious. They see things a little differently. And so they were willing to sponsor some athletes that were a little bit more controversial in the early days. They did a whole uh, campaign around Steve Prefontaine, and he was kind of their first megastar. They were mm -hmm. making running shoes for Pre. 
And this is a guy who would like l- kind of live life on the edge. He was dancing mm-hmm. at Razor's Edge and sure enough, like, you know, died a, a very young guy in a car crash, never quite fulfilled all of the natural talent that he had on a global scale. But that would be an example. He was rebellious. He was willing to just give it his all and to try to win the races in an unconventional way, leading from the front the whole time. I that even when they had a lot of controversies, such as their whole campaign around Colin Kaepernick, when he Mm -hmm. was under a lot of fire. I mean, he basically got his for taking the stances, the political Mm -hmm. stances that he did. He self-sabotaged his football career. Right. Right. You know, the the NFL is is a brand that really, I think, in terms of controlling its narrative and Mm -hmm. wanting to be very disciplined and wanting to not allowing, not brooking any sort of criticism and not letting people be themselves per se, but wanting to really control the message teams and control it. The same thing that didn't work in the NFL, having Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback worked okay for Nike. And even though they got a lot of heat and a lot of criticism and people didn't like that they were people who were to the right on the political spectrum were like, why is Nike paying millions of dollars and, and promoting someone who's kneeling during the anthem? People left of the center were like, oh, the guy is standing up for social justice. It's really cool that Nike is backing him. But at the end of the day, whether wherever you fall on that spectrum, from the far left to the far right, go to any high school today and look around at what the kids are wearing, wearing Mm -hmm. these. Nikes are pervasive. They're everywhere. And so that would be an example, I think, where They've always been willing to say, look, we're going to do things our way. This is who we are. Like it or leave it. This is what we are about. Mm -hmm. An example that I saw from the last couple of days of a brand not really being true or at least not having the confidence and the Mm -hmm. confidence to Mm -hmm. stick what they think would be the Spanish retailer Zara, Z-A-R-A, which is kind of a fast fashion brand. Mm -hmm. And they got into a... PR crisis a number of years ago uh, because they had one of in one of their advertising campaigns they had a black baby wearing a a onesie that had a monkey on it and her oh. attacked pretty harshly saying you know look right. rapes, you know this is a dog whistle to racism it's Yikes. not not a smart marketing move this Ooh. is offensive. And, you know, that one, you could understand why people would sort of link that one up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it up. Well, in recent days, they've come under fire for a totally new reason, which is they had this campaign where they had a woman standing in a, what looks like an artist studio. And there's kind of like a little bit of a damage on the wall. And she's got this mannequin wrapped up in cellophane slung over her shoulder. And the hashtag boycott Zara erupted and really took a lot of uh, momentum from TikTok because people were saying, look at Zara. They're they're clearly tapping into the war that's going on in the Middle East between Hamas and mm-hmm. Israel. And they're making light of the fact that there are bodies and body bags and shame on them. And and so it became this whole thing that people were ascribing these really dark, twisted nefarious motives mm-hmm. to what had nothing to do with that. Right. But instead of 
the brand doing what I would rec would recommend as a PR practitioner whose firm really specializes in high stakes and crisis PR. So mm -hmm. we deal with companies that are that either need to get in the media or they want to get out. And on the crisis side, that's when you're getting you're getting panned online. You've got reporters criticizing you. You've got customers coming after you. You've got some sort of negative thing that's happened that's not putting your brand in the light that you want. That would be an example of crisis PR versus right. general PR. And that kind of segues right into the book that you've written. It's called The Cancel Culture Curse, From Rage to Redemption in a World Gone Mad. And as I've read through, you know, some of the clips and the highlights from the book, in essence, this is basically kind of like the anti-culture, anti-cancel culture, which is what you're describing here, which is people are taking it to the extreme and not using common sense would be the way I would say that, right? So you wrote this book to kind of be the, a guidebook how to navigate the waters of the cancel culture. Would that be fair enough to say? Absolutely. I wrote the book because, frankly, I was getting sick and tired of hearing stories firsthand from clients of ours who, in some cases, they had made a mistake. The business did something and they wanted to try to make it right, and then they weren't allowed to because people just continued to bash them over the heads with their mistakes. In other instances, They'd done, similar to what, what I think Zara in this case, they'd done nothing wrong. They hadn't done anything for which they needed to apologize. And yet mobs of online people, I call them cancel vultures because they feast right. on picking other people apart and leaving them to die on the side of the internet highway. And this phenomenon of cancel culture, of targeting, isolating, keeping criticism and mobilizing people to attack companies and individuals because they've done or said something that you don't like or you don't agree with. And the case I make in the book is that this is a fundamentally anti-American practice. Mm -hmm. We believe in things in this country like free speech, freedom of expression, that there should be a marketplace of ideas, that people should be able to debate those ideas in a public way, and that we also have something uh, that our entire judicial system is predicated upon, which is due process. <laughs> the difference is in, if you get arrested or charged with a crime, you have an opportunity to defend yourself and the, uh, you have a presumption. We all enjoy the presumption of innocence. You are innocent until proven guilty and the burden of proof is on the prosecution. Well, with cancel culture, there's no due process. Right. Because social media moves so quickly, by the time you try to defend yourself, you may have already been besmirched so badly, attacked so badly online, your business may be destroyed, all of your business partners may have already written you off, you've become radioactive, and your career and your personal life are permanently harmed before you've even had a chance to explain what happened or to give the facts. And I think that that's wrong, and that's why I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess I'd like your um, ideas around kind of things that are, you know, because when I think of cancel culture, I think back to like a Harvey Weinstein or, a, you know, a Bill Cosby or something like that that were, that in my opinion, were bad dudes doing bad things, right? These weren't nice people that just made a mistake. This was, they had a history of, of being a predator in some form or another. And versus, I'm trying to think of a, well, like the Zara example, but uh, other examples of people that, you know, politicians who maybe had an affair or then just get lamb blasted that, that it's like, well, 
yeah, I get it, but it's not the same thing. We don't ostracize people because they made a mistake, but I'll, I'll take your two cents on that. So I, I love the example that you gave, both of them, the Harvey Weinstein and the Bill Cosby, because at the end of the day, they both lost their careers. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of negative publicity, but they didn't lose all of that because of cancel culture. They lost it because of the judicial process. Right. Harvey Weinstein is in a jail cell for right. decades yep. because he committed a crime and he was prosecuted and found guilty. Yep. And so that is that to me is proof that we don't need cancel culture. We, <laughs> right. have, a, we have due process. <laughs> we have a judicial system. Bill Cosby. Look, media has always been able to expose bad behavior, whether it's by celebrities, individuals, corporations. That's a core function of the media. If it weren't for the media, they wouldn't have exposed the wrongdoing in Watergate and you wouldn't have had a president who resigned. So it's an important function of mass media. The difference with cancel culture is it is a prosecution of people on social media and in the press, many times devoid of any sort of, you can't even point to a law that they've broken or done something for which they should be punished. And the difference also is the punishment has to fit the crime. Mm -hmm. Whereas in cancel culture instances, the mob online is basically going right for the most extreme punishment possible. Mm. So it is, it's a disproportionate response. So if someone, say, Matt, you go to Starbucks this afternoon to pick up a latte to get you through the rest of the day, and, and the person in the line um, starts jawing at the person, at the barista, and they get into an argument, and he screams at the barista, and he throws mm-hmm. you know, coffee on the floor and calls the guy something, and it's on video. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that good behavior? Absolutely not. Is that person a jerk? Probably. Is it possible that they maybe just had a bad day or or bad moment? Maybe. But the problem with cancel culture is, you know, if someone's recording that, it's not, okay, this guy owes them an apology. He should be, you know, never, never get to go in the store. The punishment should fit the crime. But what happens is a video like that goes viral. People dox them. They go, oh, we found out who this is. Right. Yeah, I was thinking of it. Yep. Here's his address. Yep. go to this school. Maybe if right. you see him in the car line for picking up for pickup at the end of the day, you should say something to him. And and the the stretch that also tends to happen with these cancel culture things is there will be similar to the Zara example. If the person who he was yelling at was anybody of color, oh with, right, with a different gender than him, then it's automatically racist or exactly right, right, yeah. In fact, actually, we were talking. Oh, I don't know. It's been probably, I don't, I've lost track of time, the whole COVID warp time thing, but I think it was probably four years ago or three years ago. And I was scrolling through Facebook and I, there was all these people commenting on this video and I started looking at this video and it was about this white gentleman who was basically educating a black, uh, probably teenager about, uh, he had, uh, the teenager had whipped into this space, this parking space and this gentleman had been sitting there with the blinker on waiting patiently for the car to back out. And then this, this kid just whipped in there. Kid obviously probably didn't realize it. Didn't, I mean, was just oblivious. Right. But he starts kind of visiting with the, uh, the youth. And then, you know, about four or five 
can't, you know, phones pop out and then they start shooting video and this guy's heated, but he's not swearing. He's just like, he was being respectful, but he was obviously angry or irritated. And he was like, Hey, I've been waiting here. And immediately they vilified him. And then it was like, who is this guy? And actually he was a friend of mine. Right. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, and I see it. I'm like texting him like, dude, I don't know if you've seen this video, but you're going viral for the wrong reasons. You need to get, you know, check this out. And, mm -hmm. and again, it was just, he was, you know, having a day, you know, he was actually going through cancer treatments. He was actually there to get his meds for the cancer treatment. He was just having a bad day, right? It was a bad patch in his life and somebody set him off. And, and again, he didn't like, yeah, he wasn't punching and he wasn't throwing, but he was mad. Right. And I was just like, so as you were talking, I was like, well, there's a great example of, you know, somebody who's having a bad day and then they made it racist, right? They immediately said, well, here's this white guy yelling at a black kid and he's white privilege and all. And it was like, no, 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 no. He was just super tired because he was on cancer meds. Right. And, and he, if it had been a woman who pulled in, it would have been, look at this guy. He's bullying a woman. Woman, right. Yeah, yeah. If the person had a headscarf, it would be he's an Islamophobe. Um, right, right. If the person exactly. had a yarmulke, keep on, they'd be like, oh, he's an anti-Semite. He hates Jews. Look at him. Right, <laughs> right teenager and so what do you tell like your clients but just in general like what's just good advice for like that my friend you know got caught in that situation what, what's just good solid advice for people like that don't allow yourself to be bullied and don't allow don't accept that you're going to be canceled so in, in your buddy's case mm -hmm. he i don't know how he reacted in this case but to, in my view, the best advice that he could have received and the best course of action would have been to actually explain himself right. and just, listen, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. I was there to pick up my cancer medication mm -hmm. and I'm waiting patiently for someone to pull out. I'm clearly indicating that I intend I'm, to right, pull out. have my blinker on, which is what you do. And then this kid you know, cuts me off and I was frustrated. In retrospect, did it help that I was raising my voice? If I had to do it all over again, would I have spoken in a more calm manner? Probably yes. But this is why it happened. This is what happened. And by the way, to all of you out there who are saying this is a racially motivated attack, race has nothing to do with it. It was right. rude behavior. And I wasn't even sure that this person understood. Right. That they'd even done anything. Parking right? lot etiquette. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's and so was this was a dispute don't to all those who are falsely accusing me of being a racist i am not and shame on you for trying to make this a racist that it's thing not. when it had nothing to do with you know the, the guy was in the wrong told him that i was expressing my displeasure that doesn't make me a racist right exactly and so honesty or or just telling your side of it i guess i and i can't remember what he did for sure i I don't know if he did anything. I think he may have just buried his head in the sand and let it blow over. I can't remember what he did for sure because I, I just lost track of it. But I was just like, wow, it was a perfect example of I had not seen anybody that I knew that I actually knew that got caught in that type of, you know, having a video or a phone in your face and people are videoing. I'm like, yeah, that seems like a really horrible. And I've had bad days and I've done stuff that, you know, if it was recorded and put out there, people would be like, that guy's a monster. Right. But, you know, we have all have bad days. And that's one of the main things that I talk about in, in the book. And one of the main reasons that I work in high stakes and crisis PR is I have a belief that people are fundamentally good. Are there some bad people out there? Are there people who do terrible things? Are there criminals like Harvey Weinstein? Yes, absolutely. Right. 
But I also think that we are all human. Every single one of us is fallible. We all make mistakes. And what I don't like about cancel culture is it takes away our humanity. It says we're meant to be perfect or even if we don't do anything wrong, but you just happen to think that it's wrong. Right. And you, it gives people license to judge other people and to ruin their lives. You know, we have to be as a society in a place where people learn and grow from mistakes that they made. And in a cancel culture world, there is no room for growth. There is no room for apology. All mistakes are permanent. And the punishment is the most extreme form. Who wants to live in a world like that? Right. Ostracizing people for their mistakes, right? As we were visiting, and I don't follow him. I'm not, I, I'm not, uh, I, I find him interesting but I, I'm not like following him on X or whatever, but Elon Musk, right, recently was like, all these advertisers are dropping him. I don't even know why they're dropping him. I'll be honest with you. I don't pay enough attention to know. I, I think he made some comments and people thought it was anti-Semitic, was it? Was yeah, it? Was it? He's, he's under a fire from a lot of people because there's been an increase in hate speech. And he had made some comments specifically where people, he repeated a conspiracy theory and people said, oh, you're repeating an anti-Semitic trope. Got and therefore, and, you know, the and leap. So Disney's, oh, so Disney's dropping him and these other, and, and these other advertisers. And, and obviously he's the richest man in the world. So he, he gets a little leeway and I mean, he could give a shit, right? I mean, a lot of times, but I, I just thought it was, I saw one of his responses was basically like, well, you know, F him, right? And I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I'm just saying he, he's kind of taking the stance of I am who I am, like me or don't like me. This is, <laughs> you know. What you can do about it? Kind of like attitude, right? I know exactly what you're talking about because I actually posted a video about this. You you can find if you follow me on yep. Instagram, which is sure. just first name, last name, Evan Nearman, or look for me on on the other social platforms, LinkedIn, um, right. Facebook, X. But I actually recorded a video about that. I critiqued Elon Musk on it because uh -huh. uh, on the one hand, like that may be his feeling, but right. I also think that that when you're in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. He is. It comes with certain responsibility. And so while while I'm, I'm not saying Elon Musk shouldn't be himself, and I'm a huge admirer of all that he's accomplished, and I think he's the most exceptional, visionary, creative CEO of our generation. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did say in my video, like, you got to have some measure of discipline and mm -hmm. telling them, go F yourself. <laughs> you hear what I said? I think that's pretty clear. Go F yourself. Right. That's, that is... Look, there, there are people who work for him. There are right. the employees at X. There are shareholders. His words matter and they carry a degree of weight that's far greater than the average mortal who's just right. walking around. He's one right, of the right. famous, recognizable, influential, and richest people on the planet. Right. And so while his attitude and his approach may be, I'm not going to be bullied by you. I'm not going to kowtow. I think you also, you have to operate within the realm of, of also not being just needlessly combative or, or saying something impulsively that ultimately is, is a little too far. Right. This podcast brought to you by Trump 2024. No, that, I was just thinking of all the examples. Well, Trump's tweets as a good example. Yeah, but, of somebody but, but, with but a I will say about, about Trump, by the yeah. way, man. Uh, yeah. The, He's clearly the least cancelable person on the planet because most people, if they'd done one of the 10,000 <laughs> things that Donald Trump had done, their career, their reputation would all be gone. In his case, he's a unique animal because it's actually it worked to his advantage to some right degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
which is shocking, uh, which is just shocking. I'm just like, wow, that's just amazing. But that's uh, that kind of goes to the title of, of your book about, you know, from rage to redemption in a world gone mad. We just live in such a crazy time, you know, to the conversation we've just been having about somebody messes up and they literally can ruin, I mean, if not ruin everything, at least ruin their life for a period of time just based on a mistake, a simple mistake or an honest mistake that just because people get on this bandwagon of hate or this bandwagon of almost like herd mentality, right? Somebody says boo and the whole herd takes off. I guess own our own personal responsibility and understand our own humanity before we start judging. Well, it's kind of a biblical thing, right? Take take the board out of your eye before you try to take the splinter out of your neighbor type thing, right? I mean, it's like, I always feel like I'm fairly accepting or very accepting of other people just because I feel like I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. It's like I have screwed up in so many ways that when other people screw up, it's kind of like, hey, gosh, I could see it. I could have seen myself doing that 10 years ago or, or yeah. whenever, right? I think it's the Bible that says, judge not lest ye be judged. Ye be judged, of course. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yes. And, that, and if we all lived that way, it would probably be much less boring sometimes <laughs> because there would be. You know, not, I mean, it's, it is sometimes entertaining to see what goes on, but at the same time, yeah, obviously it's not worth somebody's life or their livelihood. That, that's no bueno. That's not good. There's, there's, a, there's enough entertaining characters in the world that we don't have to create more drama. Agree with you completely. Well, I appreciate your time today. If you had, uh, this is kind of my, I like to throw this question out at the end. If you had one piece of wisdom, so you've lived, I'm sure lived a colorful life. You deal with colorful people that are in interesting situations. Um, so through your lens, if you had one piece of wisdom you would distill to any human being on the face of the planet, there's about 8 billion of us now. So if all 8 billion just got a message from you in our inbox tomorrow morning and it was a little video, you know, if you're going to drop a pebble in the pond and get the ripple, what would the pebble be of wisdom? Don't take naked pictures of yourself. <laughs> I'm always surprised at the answer. I never have, have ever been able to predict an answer. Somebody say never take naked pictures of yourself. So many of the cases that we have to deal with, so much destruction in people's lives uh -huh. comes from them taking naked pictures of themselves and sending it to others, assuming that it's never really going to get out. It's going to be just between them. And as a career, my career is built upon helping good people in uncomfortable situations. Right. Uh, there is nothing more important that we as parents can tell our kids, I would argue, one of the most important things we could teach them is don't take naked pictures of yourself and don't share them because I've seen firsthand from our clients the just terrible effects that it can have. When teenagers do this, they're, mm -hmm. they're acting impulsively. They're not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the notion of naked pictures of, of a 15-year-old circulating through their high school being posted online. Mm -hmm. So many of the crises that we deal with in the day to day at Red Banyan, mm -hmm. they all start with that naked selfie. And really, that's interesting. I would have not guessed that. I mean, of everything you were going to say, I would not have guessed that part. But if you want to stay out of trouble, don't yeah, take naked pictures of yourself. And if you do, then don't send them anywhere. Great way. That is a great way to avoid a lot of the things that get people in trouble. Wow, and you guys deal with that a lot. Yes. I mean, that's like, a, you're, you're, I can tell you're like, no, 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 no. This is really a serious thing here. It's this a is real like... thing. And people don't think about it. But look, it's it's happened to look Hollywood celebs. Mm. Their stuff gets leaked. Right. You know, 
Jeff Bezos sends a naked picture and his brother-in-law, I guess, like gets a hold of it and leaks it to the media and it becomes a, a thing. I didn't it even know that, but okay. Different when I'm not going to Google it. Like we've, we've had clients where the people are, are prominent individuals in society mm -hmm. and, and prospect of them being, uh, you know, caught with their pants down literally right. and going around is, is damaging for their political careers, oh, for their businesses. businesses. So it's just a real simple thing. And so the people who are listening to your podcast today, just like if you're going to change one thing maybe that you're doing that you're not even thinking about, just don't take naked pictures of yourself. It'll <laughs> trouble. It's very actionable. It's very clear. There's a binary choice. It either happens or it doesn't. You right. take naked pictures or you don't. And I'm right. just giving away right now a key thing that will mm. prevent you a lot of potential trouble down the road. As when we do the highlight reel of this for the reel for the short, I think I'm just going to use this. It's like, don't take naked pictures of yourself. <laughs> don't, or if you do, don't send them. Use an old school camera without film. Just use a Polaroid and then throw them yeah. away. <laughs> exactly. Put them in a lockbox. You and your wife can look at them. Well, there you go. Great. Oh. But do not, once you send them on the internet. Electron electronically, they could go anywhere. Yep. You lose control. So just don't do it. I love it. Wisdom from Evan. That's what we're going to call this show. Wisdom from Evan. No naked pictures of yourself. Great. Well, hopefully be before I die, which I hope is in many, many years, I will come up with some other wisdom. wisdom. That's not how I'm remembered. <laughs> my grandkids or my grand great grandkids. I think oh, I, you say don't take naked pictures. I think that's a book title right there. I think I think somehow you spin that into a book title. That's book number two. So you talk about cancel culture, but then you talk about just don't do naked photos of yourself. It could be a short book, but. I think it'd be a bestseller. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be one line, one sentence. But actually, Matt, it would be my third book because you didn't mention my first oh, book. I didn't. Is, I, I apologize. Okay. My first book is called Crisis Averted. Oh. And it's all about explaining the difference between PR and crisis PR and the, uh, the role that crisis PR practitioners play and why companies need to prepare in advance and how they can anticipate crises. So it's a playbook for how to get out of a crisis, but also how to prevent one in the first place. Nice, sweet. Well, that's very cool. Well, people can follow you on social media. They can also go, I'm sure, to your company website, which is what, just redbanion.com? Yes, sir. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a very fun conversation. And I, I will stop. Well, actually, I don't take naked pictures of myself because I'm a 52-year-old man and I just, I'm married and I've got two kids and I just don't need that kind of headache. But, um, but but I appreciate the advice and I will, I will stick that way back in the file cabinet and I'll tell others. Tell your kids because they need to hear it more than anyone. Well, that, that's true in this weird, weird world. So appreciate that as well. So we'll appreciate it. Safe travels and we'll visit with you again. Thanks, Matt. Talk to Bye. you. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, B-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening.